Sorry, I was uh, looking at my daughter's report card that got emailed in just a few moments ago. So, first semester, first semester grades are in the books. I, I guess I, I wasn't aware that they're still doing like the A. This is how dumb I am and how long since I've been in school. I did. I guess I didn't realize they were still doing like the A scale and B scale, C, D, E, F uh, at all on that. So, ah. Good to see I at least understand what the grading is on the first semester or first grade. So got some work to do. I'll tell you that when we get home, someone's going to be in a little bit of trouble. Get that math score up. Uh-oh. This is unacceptable. Unacceptable. First report card, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I think we get, uh, we get ours next week. It's so... Do you, there's a part of me, do you know how thankful I am? Not that I was, I, I was, the only thing I was really bad in was math. Always, always, always well, same, math. Same here. I struggled with it through every level. I have, have retained absolutely nothing. No, that's why I'm dreading when she gets to a point where she has to do like fractions and division and everything else. I'm like, I'm dreading it because I was always awful at it. Um, Do you know how happy I am that... We didn't grow up in a time in which parents had instant access to what every single grade and everything that you did, period, in the course of a day was readily accessible for. Oh, my gosh. I, the the dread of that time when you got a progress report sent home. Did you guys ever get a progress report <laughs> oh, sent yeah. home? Oh, buddy. Oh, yeah. Oh, buddy. And like you would, I, I would, the gag that I would do is I was always leaving my backpack and I would have to wait until the very last day that it needed to be turned back in. And I would always spring it on, on mom, like <laughs> while we were in the car on the way to school and be like, oh, by the way, I need you to sign this. <laughs> Try to lessen the blow. Man, I was such a procrastinator back in the day on things like that for sure. Did you ever like skip a class and then like at night they would call? There'd be like an automated call that would call your house to let your family know that you had missed either the day or a class or something. And you had to like wait by the phone and hopefully be the one that picked it up when that call went through. You know, I'll be honest. I never had the balls to actually skip a class. Like I never, if when I was driving, like if I, if I was going to, uh, if I just decided to be late like, uh, it wasn't because I would go to school and then skip said class. I would always miss, like, first period if I was going to miss miss any type of class. So it just looked like I was late or had some sort of doctor's appointment or something like that going on. But, yeah, I never had the guts to really do that. I was always worried about what the hammer was going to be if they found out that I was uh, indeed cutting class. So, yeah, I didn't do that. I would have done that, though. The <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sick. I, I had to go home for one period type of phone answer would have been the best. All right, at 3.53 here, this is what I wanted to do yesterday. Um, I'm going to give Colby the floor here for a few moments before we get into uh, a few of the items here that we've seen over the past 12 weeks or so for one C.D. Lamb, who is finally carrying the banner of the 88 Club which ask any member of the 88 club and how much that means to them. But Colby, um, this meeting, 
Did you know, by the way, that C.D. Lamb had a meeting with Mike McCarthy, who was a frustrated wide receiver after the San Francisco performance? And since that meeting, you tell me in which the ways that you've seen kind of the offense change and adapt to the former Oklahoma Sooner wide receiver who has now put himself in a position to be, what, a $30 million a year wide receiver easily? I mean, there are a couple of young players that have yet to sign the next version of their big deal, and C.D. Lamb now has put himself in a category of, you can make an argument, best receiver in the league, and also one of the next ones to get paid and paid at an incredibly high level. But what have you seen since that meeting happened, and how has it changed the dynamic of their offense? Well, first, after the Niners game, he, he went to the coach, and he didn't demand the football but he respectfully said that there was more that he could do to help the team win. So I don't know if you guys were aware of that, but he respectfully, respectfully. said, like, if you can give me the ball more, I can help this football team. Yes. Um, you know, I, I felt like, as a Cowboy fan, throughout the, the entire Kellen Moore era, and really until Mike McCarthy started taking advantage of CeeDee Lamb, one of the biggest issues with the offense has been it's all about – the offense, right? Like these guys are going to run what they want to run. Yes. And there's been a complete failure to identify, like even just within a single game, I identify that you have a mismatch with a certain player, right? Or that maybe you've got one guy that's that's hot that day or, you know, however you want to describe it. There's been a failure to just capitalize on those moments within games and or just periods of, of time throughout a a season and I mean I don't know why you wouldn't want to get the ball to your best player anyway right like CeeDee Lamb is their best offensive player I don't know why you wouldn't want to get the ball to that guy anyway and the fact that he had to go ask for the football is is pretty wild to me but I will give Mike McCarthy credit in in regards to actually listening and being open to the idea of of adjusting what he was doing as a play caller to take advantage of your best receiver. He should have been doing it anyway, but there are so many coaches I think that are so hard headed with an approach like that, that like they're not going to, they're not going to cave, right? They're going to probably stick to their guns and say, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm doing what I'm doing for a reason. And he absolutely has made CD lamb, the focal point of that offense. And the other good thing about this is I think, not only CD Lamb making the most of those opportunities, but it's also open the field for the other pass catchers. I mean, you go into a matchup and everybody knows that CD Lamb is getting his touches and he's getting them no matter what defenses he's facing and who who you're putting on him, but the amount of attention has also, I think, allowed all these other p- players to uh, make the most of of their opportunities when they get it and maybe not feel like there's so much pressure on their shoulders at the same time. So, first five games of the year, four catches for 77 yards. Then he had the big Jets performance where I think he had like 11 catches for 143. But then the rest of the games were four catches, three catches, four catches. I I mean, to see what they've done after that, he's had one game since that Niners game where he's had less than six catches. In 12 games. That's it. That's it. I think he had a big yardage game in that one. And also what the allowing him to be 
the number one guy and the way that they've kind of moved him around a little bit and given more of an opportunity and made him the focus of this has also been very beneficial to guys like Brandon Cooks. You know, Brand- the other funny thing about this is Brandon Cooks was brought in to be the guy to take the top off of the defense. Who has the best, in terms of average, yards per catch on the team? It's still C.D. Lamb this year to show you just how dynamic that he's been for them. But it's it's opened up things for the tight end. It's opened up things for Brandon Cooks. Uh, it's, um, it's pretty incredible, the switch that has been flipped. And to get numbers like we've seen from a guy in basically a 12-week span – is uh, maybe one of the more impressive things that, that that I've seen in quite some time. And to your point about coaches being hard-headed, I, I like that they've been open to the idea of changing things up a little bit because we get so pigeonholed into what we're doing and what our offensive philosophy is, and sometimes it can be as simple. And I know football has changed a lot since the Aikman days and since Montana and, and Young to Rice, and when you have those dominant receivers – but in today's game, how many times have you seen your number one wide receiver that has single coverage on him that he still doesn't get the ball? Yeah. And where was Aikman going with the football when it was a passing down and they needed to get a first down, especially if there was single coverage? He was throwing it to Michael Irvin yeah. every single time. And again, football has changed completely, but it hasn't changed to the point to where you just completely ignore one of your better players. And so well, now I, there's a lot of times in the league where I, I think uh, play callers are so wrapped up in their scheme being the difference maker, right? Like these guys success is based on my scheme and I don't have to take advantage of my best player because I, my scheme is what's going to ultimately allow these players to have success and you lose touch with what's happening within a game and what what mismatches you might have with your players against their players because you're so focused on what your play calls are and and how that's going to be what creates you know the the opportunity for success so cd lamb who went into halftime with 129 receptions in 2023, was the fourth player in NFL history with at least 125 receptions and 10 catches in, in the season. Antonio Brown in 14 and 15. People forget, I mean, that, that dude has some problems, but that dude put together two, three years that were remarkable. Uh, Marvin Harrison in 2002 and Cooper Cup in 2021. And their offense now has a little bit of kind of a, Rams 2021 feel to it where it was Cooper Cup that was virtually unstoppable. Yeah. And it it kind of mirrors that a little bit on top of also Dak coming into his own now as a quarterback with some of the throws that he's made. New offense for Dak, which we talked about before the season. This offense was, I think, going to be much more beneficial to his game. Uh, and it's it's turned out that way. But, I mean, you, you referenced this earlier, and, and Cooper Cup's a great example. Like, the way that they move C.D. Lamb around, it's not just line him up in one spot. No. Right? And this is the sign of a, a great receiver where you can line him up anywhere, you can play him anywhere. The versatility uh, and the matchups that you create with how much you move him around and getting production from every single spot. And, you know, it's, again, 
going back to the beginning of the season, it's crazy that they weren't doing this in the first place because you look at the receiving core, Michael Gallup has been an underachieving, you know, injury-riddled pass catcher. Brandon Cooks is brand new to the team. Jalen Tolbert was a rookie last year and needed a lot of polish. And then you just passed the baton at the tight end position to Jake Ferguson, who was Dalton Schultz's backup last year, right? And is in year number two of his NFL career. So with all the question marks around your pass catchers, it's even crazier to me that CeeDee Lamb wasn't the focus and you were asking so much of all of those guys out of the gate. And again, I think just the as you got to this point in the season where you started giving CeeDee Lamb the ball more, I think it allowed all those guys to progress. And like Brandon Cooks, I think that the thought was originally all they were going to use his speed for was vertical routes, right? Like you can use speed and it doesn't have to just be in the vertical game. And and you referenced the yards per catch. I mean, they've used his speed, you know, crossing the field instead of just vertically. And that's another aspect of, I think the, the evolving offense that we're seeing with the Cowboys and the way they've been able to use other players because of CeeDee Lamb's success. Yeah, it's been incredibly beneficial to to the, that entire team with what they've done and how they've adapted their offense. The other thing, too, that is eerily similar to what happened with the Rams in 2021 was how the running game is used. So that year, like at Sony Michelle, I think ran for just around 900 yards. You've you've got Pollard this year that he just went over 1,000, right? Just, just a smidge over 1,000. Um, so it's eerily similar to that. And then the, the type of numbers you're seeing from Cooper Cup – but just to show you how big of a season that this has been for, for CeeDee Lamb. So his numbers this year means he's got 5,145 receiving yards in his career. That's the fourth highest total for any receiver in NFL history in their first four seasons. He trails Justin Jefferson, who's put together 5,900 yards already. Like, just stupid. Michael Thomas and Randy Moss. That's it. That's the list. It's also the fourth receiver, as we told earlier, with 125 receptions and 10 touchdowns in a season. And there's only been six that have caught 130 catches in a single year. That's it. That, that is it. Now, the price that comes with that level of success is you got to open up the checkbook, which is the next step for the Cowboys. But there's a long way to go before we even get to that section yet and it starts with these two playoff games or at least we'll take it one at a time this first playoff game over the Packers not trying to disrespect any of your your Packer fandom there uh, at all Scott because we got some Jordan Love stuff to discuss as well at some point here in the near future Um, I think we all knew that CD had the ability when he was at Oklahoma Uh, there was just a question about how what his usage rate was in Dallas and so much of your success depends on the type of franchise that you land and them having an idea on what not only can you do, but how to use you. And there were some questions of how this was going, not consistent questions, but a few weeks here and there where you're like, damn, or, you know, they drafted this guy and do they really have a plan with using him? But we knew that he at least had this type of potential when we watched him at Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, that's he was a first-round pick for a reason, right? And, I mean, even within the Cowboys organization, despite not using him, everybody knew what he was capable of to the point that they traded Amari Cooper in the prime of his career 
on a team-friendly deal when you look at what the other receivers at, at his rate were making for a fifth-round pick. That's how much confidence they had in CeeDee Lamb. So, um, you know, but even with Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb simultaneously, I mean, Kellen Moore would forget that both of those guys existed for long periods of the game at times. Like, you just you, you questioned what on earth is this guy thinking and then at the end of the day, you know, there would be these games where they put up crazy numbers and everybody just kind of swallowed that Kellen Moore was a, a great play caller when, I mean, you know this, for as long as we've been doing this show together, I've complained about Kellen Moore as a play caller. And a big reason why is because there's just a complete failure to identify your matchups and to take advantage of matchups with your superstars. Think about if they had uh, not those moments, and I'm not saying every year could have been the same in terms of statistics as what this year is, but think about if they didn't have those moments and they were more consistent with him. Could we, I mean, there's no doubt that, I mean, he's trailing Justin Jefferson for 5,900 yards, but I mean, you could make an argument where he wouldn't be if he had a level of consistency. Well, and think about what the passing game would look like if you were consistently giving the ball to Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb during those years, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the amount of pressure that each takes off the other. Yeah. I mean, who do you def- who do you gear your, your defense towards stopping? Well, and, you know, it, it goes back to you got single coverage on a guy and you decide to give your number one wide receiver an opportunity – you know the the thing about when you when you have a mindset and a mentality that we know for a fact that he can't be stopped it just kind of then permeates through the rest of the team and i think there have been times at least that we've seen that they've gone back to him again and again and there's they've they've developed that mentality and it's kind of turned them into who they are right now with knowing that there's not anyone necessarily that can can stop him consistently and that might even go a little bit further than even just single coverage i mean there have been times where i've seen dak throw yeah. to him when he's double covered yeah. and he still comes up with the ball yeah i mean i think that's just a winner's mentality in general and again it's crazy that it had to come from cd lamb and not mike mccarthy but I will give McCarthy credit for making the adjustment, but it's a winner's mentality to say my guy's going to beat your guy, right? And not to not to cave to what the defense is showing you, right? Like we're gonna we're gonna make our play call based on you know where your defense is not lining up, instead of we have an adv- like you know there comes a point where there's a certain coverage where maybe you can't throw in the ball, but as long as as it's an option. For my guy to beat your guy, why would you not take advantage of that as much as possible? I, it's why you're paying those guys that much money. It's also why you drafted him because that wasn't necessarily a need, right? He was best player, and we talked about drafting guys like that yesterday. You just take them no matter what when they fall into your lap, and that's what Dallas did with them, and now they're finally reaping the reward. All right, it's 410. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. We've got a snack for you coming up here in just a bit. We want to hear from you with the Neuropathy Treatment Clinic of Oklahoma Text Line as a former Oklahoma wide receiver turning into, in front of our eyes, one of the best wide receivers in the entire league in C.D. Lamb. 918-262-5072. That's the Neuropathy Treatment Clinic of Oklahoma Text Line here on the Blitz 1170. Timeout. We'll come back with more next.